I am so thankful that even as Pastor Scott is away on vacation, he turned 40 and had a crisis and went to Disney. And um, I'm so thankful for our worship team for uh, stepping in this week and leading so well. Uh, what that reminds us of, myself included, is it doesn't matter who is leading worship, doesn't matter who's preaching, we worship the one true God. And it doesn't matter who's leading that, we have the opportunity as we gather every week to see him for who he is. I want to invite you to take your copy of God's Word and join me in Genesis chapter 21 this morning. We will continue on in our series, walking through the book of Genesis. We have been navigating through that over the last number of months together. We've still got a few months left to go. We'll have some breaks in the middle of that, and uh, we will finish strong. I hope this has been an encouragement to you, a challenge to you as we've walked through the scriptures together. And this morning, I hope as well that you would be challenged and encouraged by God's Word. I'm curious, have you ever found yourself in a spot where you just didn't feel at home? Something just felt a little bit off. You didn't feel comfortable. You didn't feel like you were in your environment. I experienced this after I came back from my first semester in college. I walked into my bedroom, and it was no longer my bedroom. I walked in, and I thought, this is odd. My bed was gone. Furniture was gone. There was a desk with a computer out on it. And there was a futon, and I looked at my mom, and I said, what happened? And she said, this is my office. I'm glad you're here. And I said, well, where am I supposed to sleep? She said, that futon lays down. Have you ever slept on a futon? I just didn't feel at home anymore. I didn't feel like that's where I was supposed to be. And what's interesting is when we look at God's Word, we're reminded by the Apostle Paul that for all of us who are in Christ, all of us who are believers, that this world that we live in is actually not our home. There's times when we experience tension in our lives as believers and we kind of wonder why, why do things feel off a bit? And the reason is because this world is not our home. We're here for a short time on the journey to where God desires for us to be for all eternity. And yet, God desires to work in us and through us during that time that we are here. And what we're going to see this morning in Abraham's life is that on display. How do we live as followers of Jesus? How do we live as followers of God as we are sojourning, as we are waiting to go home where he desires for us to be? In the interim, what does it look like? I want to read the text for us this morning, and then we'll walk back through it together verse by verse. Genesis chapter 21, beginning in verse 22. At that time, Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, said to Abraham, God is with you in all that you do. Now therefore swear to me here by God that you will not deal falsely with me or with my descendants or with my posterity, but as I have dealt kindly with you, so you will deal with me 
and with the land where you have sojourned. And Abraham said, I will swear. When Abraham reproved Abimelech about a well of water that Abimelech's servants had seized, Abimelech said, I do not know who has done this thing. You did not tell me, and I have not heard of it until today. So Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech, and the two men made a covenant. Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock apart, and Abimelech said to Abraham, What is the meaning of these seven ewe lambs that you have set apart? And he said, These seven ewe lambs you will take from my hand, that this may be a witness for me that I dug this well. Therefore that place was called Beersheba, because there both of them swore an oath. So they made a covenant at Beersheba, and then Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, rose up and returned to the land of the Philistines. Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba and called there on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. And Abraham sojourned many days in the land of the Philistines. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see that you would open our ears that we would be able to hear, that you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write down this main idea that will frame our time together in these verses. In Genesis chapter 21, it's this truth. Every day, this side of eternity, offers us an opportunity to witness and to worship. Every day, this side of eternity offers us an opportunity to witness and to worship. Now, it's interesting when you look at the verses that we covered this morning. It was uh, a lot of fun working through it this past week because here's what's, what's amazing about these verses. Most commentators don't even include them in their commentary. I mean, you think about where we are at this point in the text. We have been waiting up until last week when we covered in the first part of chapter 21 in the book of Genesis, the Lord to fulfill his promise to Abraham. Remember, God had said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you into a great nation. Through you, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. For us, we look back on that. We know that it was through Abraham's lineage that Jesus Christ would ultimately come. We've seen Abraham at times walk in obedience to the Lord, at times struggle as he's walking with the Lord. We've seen him lie. We've seen him commit adultery. We've seen him do a number of various things to try to secure the promise of God. apart from the power of God at work in and through him. We've seen this on display, but last week we saw God ultimately fulfill this promise that he made to Abraham. Remember, Abraham and Sarah had a son. They named him Isaac. And it will be through Isaac, as we continue to work our way through the book of Genesis, that we'll see God's plan continue to unfold. And we may be tempted in this moment just to kind of step back and go, wow, God God did it. But what's interesting is that in Genesis chapter 15, when God made the covenant with Abraham, there were two components that the Lord had promised that he would fulfill. One was he would give Abraham and Sarah a son. 
But then the other part of the promise is that through that son, ultimately, God would give his people a home, a place, a land. And he told Abraham during that journey, he said, listen, it's not going to be realized ultimately in your lifetime. It's going to take some time before the people go into this promised land. We see this later on in the Old Testament. And so at this point in time, though Abraham has experienced the fulfillment of the first promise of a son given to him, he's still waiting for that second promise to be fulfilled, for him to have the ultimate place that God had laid out for him the promised land, which means that at this point in time, and we see it at the last part of the verses that we read, that Abraham is still sojourning. He is still not home. He is in a foreign land awaiting the ultimate fulfillment of the promise of God for a place for him and his posterity to dwell. He's waiting on that. And you may look and you say, well, what does that matter? Because interestingly, most commentaries don't even cover these verses. In fact, chapter 22, which we'll look at next week, is absolutely riveting. Chapter 21, the first part, is absolutely riveting. I think a lot of people writing about the scriptures just go, man, 21 at the beginning is really good. 22 is like super intense. Let's just skip this, right? And we may be tempted just to kind of go, well, there's those verses there. We don't really know how to interact with them. But as we've said week in and week out as we've walked through the text of Scripture that every single verse is inspired by God and is profitable for us. So if we look initially and go, I just don't see what's there, if we will dig in and dig deep, the promise of God through his word is that it will impact our lives. And what I want us to take note of is that Abraham is very much like us. Abraham is in a spot where he is not home. We as followers of Jesus are in a spot where we are not yet home. We are longing for the day when we're able to be with Christ for all eternity, but right now, here we are. So, if this is where we are, how do we make the most impact where we are? Both our witness to the world around us and then our worship of God as we wait to see him face to face. That's where we are in Abraham's life in this moment. And I want you to notice that in the first few verses here, we're going to see that on display. In fact, if you want to kind of break up the passage for yourself, just mentally thinking through it, from verse 22 down through verse 32 really is a picture of the man or the woman of God. What does it look like to follow the Lord in obedience? What does it look like to make an impact in this world in which we live, to have an actual witness that makes it evident that we are walking with Jesus and make an impact in this world. So for those verses, what we're going to see is Abraham is a man of God. But then in verse 32 through 33 and 34, we're going to see the God of the man. 
We see the man of God in those first verses, but we're going to see the God of the man. We're going to lift high who God is because that's exactly what Abraham does. It is witness to the outside world, but it is worship between the Lord and Abraham. And here's the thing. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, that is your life. That is my life, a life of witness, proclaiming the glories of God in the world in which we live, that we are simply sojourning in, and a life of worship. I want you to notice how this plays out for Abraham, because it happens in two spheres. One is through blessing, and then one is through challenge. Let me just ask you the question this morning. Where would you say you are today in your life? Are you in blessing? You say, Pastor, things are really going well. I mean, my kids are not too crazy. I mean, my football team won last night. I got paid Friday. I mean, like, life's pretty good. Things are going well. Or the opposite may be you're walking through challenge right now, through difficulty, through struggle medical diagnosis, or maybe your kids are a bit crazy, or maybe you've lost your job and you're trying to figure out where do we go from here. What I want you to see is that in these first verses here, we're going to see Abraham, the man of God, in both of those situations. When things are going really well, how does he function as a witness to the glory of God? And then when things are not going well, when it's challenging, how does he continue to be a witness to the glory of God. I want you to notice in verses 22 through 24, let's work through those together. And if you're taking notes, you can write down this truth every day, this side of eternity. We have the opportunity to be men and women of God in moments of blessing. We have the opportunity to be men and women of God in the moments of blessing. Notice verse 22. At that time, Abimelech, now we encountered Abimelech back in chapter 20. Remember, Abraham had gone into this land and Abimelech was king of this land and he had lied about Sarah being his wife, said she was his sister. Abimelech said, she looks really pretty. I'm going to take her as my own wife. And we realized how that turned out. One of those moments where Abraham chose not to walk in obedience to the Lord, but it comes in on the back end of that. God blesses Abraham. And it says, Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, said to Abraham, God is with you in all that you do. Think about that statement. Abimelech, as an outsider, looking at Abraham, says, God is with you in everything that you do. Follower of Jesus, let me ask you this question. Could that be said about you? People who don't know the Lord, people who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, could they look at your life and the way in which you are living and say, God is with you in all that you do? In fact, we've seen God's blessing in Abraham's life living up to this point. I mean, he just had a son at the age of 100 years old. His wife was 90. He just experienced the promise of God fulfilled, that part of it. And Abimelech looks and says, God is with you in all that you do. God is blessing you. 
Interestingly, at this point in time, he says in verse 23, which makes perfect sense, he says, therefore swear to me here by God that you will not deal falsely with me or with my descendants or with my posterity, but as I have dealt kindly with you, so you will deal with me and the land where you have sojourned. And Abraham said, I will swear. It's interesting that in the moment of blessing, as Abraham has experienced the blessing of God in his life, as Abimelech and the commander of his army, Phicol, have taken notice of what's going on with Abraham, that they say to him, we want to make a covenant, a treaty with you. We want you to treat us well. Notice why. Because we know God is with you. Think about that. We know that God is blessing you, and as a result of that, we want to make a treaty of covenant. You could look at that and you say, man, that's kind of self-serving, or you look at that and say, absolutely brilliant move. For Abimelech and for the commander of his army to notice in Abraham something that they say, we want to make sure we're not on the wrong side of God in this situation. Let me ask you as a follower of Jesus, if that's who you are this morning, in moments of blessing in your life, what does the world around you say? In moments of blessing in your life, how do others view you? You know, sometimes if we're not careful as followers of Jesus, when we're experiencing the blessing of God, we turn and make it all about us. As if we're the big deal in the situation. As if really life is all about us. When the reality is, we are simply where we are as a result of the blessing of God in our lives. We didn't earn this, we didn't deserve this, and yet God in His grace and His mercy has given us blessing. And hear me this morning, if that's where you sit right now, if you look and say, Pastor, things are really going well. I mean, life is really pretty on autopilot right now. I'm experiencing the blessing of God in my relationships, in my job, in my family. I'm experiencing the blessing of God in my life. Let me ask you, how then do you take that and use that as a witness in this world for the Lord? Because here's the thing. People are watching you. People are taking notice of you. People are paying attention, especially people who don't know Jesus. If they know that you have a relationship with Jesus, they are watching you and how you live your life in the moments of blessing. But not only that, I want you to notice what happens as well in verse 25. Not only is it the moments of blessing where we have an opportunity to be men and women of God, but it's also in the moments of challenge. Notice verse 25. When Abraham reproved Abimelech about a well of water that Abimelech's servants had seized, Abimelech said, I do not know who has done this thing. So this is the conversation. After this treaty, this covenant has been made, Abraham goes to Abimelech and says, hey, we got a problem. I dug a well and your boys have taken it. And that ain't cool, Right? I mean, that's contemporary version, right? You with me? And so in this moment, Abraham confronts Abimelech and says, we have a problem here. 
Now, I want you to think about this. Abraham had options. In this moment of challenge, as he had truthfully been done wrong, he had an opportunity to respond in kind to Abimelech, to say, okay, I'll meet you outside and we'll settle this. We'll take care of business now. I mean, we're going to make this work. But I want you to notice that that's not the way he responds. In this moment of challenge, he says, we have a problem. And Abimelech says, I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't know who's done this thing. In verse 26, you didn't tell me, and I have not heard of it until today. Notice in verse 27. So Abraham throat punched him. Some of y'all are like, I didn't see that. I must have missed that. And he doesn't. But have you ever found yourself in a situation, a moment like this as a believer and responded right off the cuff and on the back end said, hmm, that didn't honor the Lord. Let me throw myself under the bus in this moment, okay? Okay. I was running in our neighborhood, and uh, I was weaving through the trails and don't have any illusions of it being beautiful or anything like that. I told you before, someone, I told them I run, and, and they're like, you're a runner? I walk into the RunFit store, and they're like, who are you here to buy shoes for? <laughs> Thank you, right? So I'm running, and... I'm heading down this trail, and there's a guy coming towards me. He has a dog on a leash, and the trail's pretty good size, and so I'm watching him. He's talking on the phone. His dog is at the extended part of the leash on the other side of the trail, and I'm thinking, this guy's not paying attention. He doesn't see me. So I said, note to self, let me run off the trail on the far side of him. So I move off the trail. And as soon as I get relatively close, the dog turns and sees me and takes off, heading right towards me, mouth open, teeth this long, right? You with me? And so I'm way off the trail, the dog comes all the way across, jumps at me, mouth open, so I turn just like this, clamps down on my arm, and after it's all said and done, I turned and looked at the guy, and I was like, what are you doing? What is wrong with you? Get control of your dog. I mean, it was a pretty lengthy conversation. It was pretty heated. I'm bleeding because the dog bit me, right? And he's like, you're fine, man. Dog's just friendly. He's good. I'm like, you. <laughs> Didn't say any bad words, church. You'll be a pro, right? Didn't say anything. Wasn't ugly. It was just like, I need, your, I need your name. I need your number. I need to make sure that, like, everything's okay. I don't know if, you know, and the guys. So then he says, like, after things had cooled down a little bit, he said, uh, hey, I'm new to the area. And in my mind, I'm thinking, what if he shows up at church Sunday? <laughs> After that interaction, 
And he sees me and he's like, that guy's not very friendly, right? But it's interesting, in the moments of challenge, how do we as followers of Jesus respond in that? Because the truth is, the way in which we respond to others in moments like this bears witness of who Jesus Christ is in our lives. And at this point in time, it says in verse 27, not that Abraham throat punched him, but that he took sheep and oxen and he gave them to Abimelech. He actually gave them a gift. And he said, let's make a covenant together. And Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock apart. And Abimelech said to Abraham, what is the meaning of these seven ewe lambs that you have set apart? And he said, these lambs you will take from my hand that this may be a witness for me that I dug this well. And the name of the place was Beersheba, which actually means seven lambs. Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, rose up and returned to the land of the Philistines. Abraham, in moments of blessing and in moments of challenge, was still a man of God. His witness to the world around him lifted high the name of the Lord. And the question for us as we look at Abraham's life in this moment is, is that true for us? As we think about our lives, if you're a follower of Jesus here this morning, is that what is true of your life? In moments of blessing where things are going incredibly well, where you're experiencing the blessing of God, would people look at you and say, wow, what a wonderful God they serve. Or do they look at you and say, man, that person thinks it's all about them. And then in moments of challenge, moments of difficulty, moments of struggle, do they look at you and say, that person follows Jesus? Or do they look and they say, wow, look at the witness of that person who follows Jesus. What we see in Abraham's life in this moment is that he used these opportunities as he interacted with Abimelech to point him to the truth of who God was. As he is sojourning, as he is waiting, my prayer and my hope is that that's exactly what we would do, but it doesn't end there. In fact, I want you to notice in verse 33 and verse 34, so not only do we have the opportunity to be men and women of God in moments of blessing and in moments of challenge, but every day this side of eternity, we have the opportunity to worship the everlasting God. We have the ability to witness, to lift high the name of Jesus for others to see. We have the opportunity to worship him. Notice what happens. It says, Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba. And notice this, and called there on the name of the Lord, the ever lasting God. And Abraham sojourned many days in the land of the Philistines. Even in this pagan land, I want you to notice that Abraham worships the Lord. Even as he's sojourning, even as he is not truly at home yet, he is worshiping the Lord. I want you to notice that he plants a tree 
It's interesting, researching this tree, never heard of it before outside of reading it in Scripture, but a tree that's very common in a desert location, especially over in the Middle East. It's a tree that actually functions absolutely fascinating. Functions almost like an air conditioner. It secretes salt out of its leaves, and that salt during the night absorbs moisture and then releases that underneath the tree. I mean, Abraham installs the first AC. It's a brilliant move for him on this. But not only that, did you notice that? That he worships there. It says he called on the name of the Lord. And how does he describe? It's the first time this happens in the text. The everlasting God. The God who has always been and who will always be the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And as you think about that, I want you to take notice that that is the God that Abraham is worshiping. The God who was there at the beginning that we looked at in Genesis chapter 1, who spoke and all of creation leapt into existence. That is the God that Abraham is worshiping. The God who is there in the middle of it right now. And the God who promises that he will be there when it all comes to a close in the end. So as we think about the God that Abraham's worshiping, our God, we serve an everlasting God who deserves our worship. A God who was there at the beginning, a God who was there in the middle, a God who is there when it all comes to a close at the end. Our God does not change and he deserves our worship. And so as we wait, as we sojourn, as we are longing for homeland because this world is not our home, we have the opportunity to worship the Lord. And the reality is he deserves our worship. He is the everlasting God. So when we look at history, we're reminded that he was there before time as we know it began. We know that throughout the pages of scripture, we've seen him at work in people's lives, bringing them to himself and making an impact in this world. We look at our lives and realize that he's doing that in the world right now. And we know the promise is that when this all comes to a close, that it is going in one direction, and that is the rule and reign of Christ for all eternity. He is the everlasting God. But not only is he there at the beginning, the middle, and the end of history, the reality is he's there at the beginning and the middle and the end of our lives personally. The psalmist reminds us that he is the God who knit us together in our mother's womb. You didn't come on this planet by accident. It was a purpose of God for you to be conceived and to be born. And God has a plan and his purpose for your life. You may have come in this morning and for you, you've never taken the step of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. And I want you to know that your plan and your purpose in life is to have a relationship with God, your Creator. And you can experience that today through Jesus Christ, his son. But not only does the scripture remind us that God was there at the beginning in our lives personally, but he's there right now as we are in the middle of it. 
doesn't matter what your age is. It doesn't matter if you are a young parent with young kids at home. It doesn't matter if you're an empty nester. It doesn't matter if you're pushing into your 80s or 90s. At this point in time, God is with you in the middle of it right now. He is the everlasting God. He doesn't leave us or forsake us. And he is the God who is there when we draw our last breath this side of heaven. I want you to know that this God, your God, if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, deserves your worship. The God who has transformed your life deserves your worship. For Abraham in this moment, and in verses that you may look at on the surface and go, I just don't see what's there. What we see in Abraham's life is a life committed to witness outside and a life committed to worship on the inside. And for us as followers of Jesus, that is what our lives this side of eternity should look like. Would you bow your heads with me? As our worship team makes their way back up. You may have come in this morning and for you, you have never taken the step of trusting in Jesus Christ as your Savior. When we think about the plan and the purpose of God for you existing, it is to have a relationship with Him. And the only way that that's possible It's by trusting in Jesus Christ, his son, who paid for your sin debt on the cross and rose again from the grave, securing salvation for you. You have an opportunity this morning to receive that gift of salvation. That's a step that you need to take. We'd love to help you take that step. One of our pastors down front would love to walk you through that. Maybe even this coming week, if you fill out a connection card and let us know, we'd love to follow up with you. And you may be a follower of Jesus already here this morning, and I just want to remind you, as we've seen in Abraham's life, that we have a purpose this side of eternity. That is to be a witness to all that God has done in us and to worship Him because he deserves our worship. So maybe for you this morning, you're experiencing blessing. And it's an opportunity for you to be a witness to what God has done. Maybe you're experiencing challenge this morning. It's an opportunity for you to be a witness to what God has done. Maybe you need to spend some time as we close out this morning and sing on your knees before the Lord at this altar, or maybe even where you are right now. For all of us as believers this morning, we serve an everlasting God who deserves our worship. You have an opportunity as we sing right now to sing praise to Him. Father, we thank You for Your Word. God, would You convict us and challenge us Would you help us to be a people who've been transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ 
who are a witness in this world and who worship you wholeheartedly. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand? Our pastors are down front. You respond as the Lord leads.